Hello, this is Examiner Radio, the weekly radio show and podcast that covers news, politics, and all things Halifax. I'm Tim Bousquet, editor of the Halifax Examiner, which is available online at halifaxexaminer.ca. Also in the studio is Examiner Radio producer Russell Gregg. Hey. How are you, Tim? Good. We had a good time last night, eh? That was that was a heck of a time. The uh, Halifax Examiner uh, post Christmas seasonal staff party. Yeah, um, everyone's busy in December, so we decided to have it in January. Yeah, yeah, uh, great time. Uh, was was talking with a friend and said, uh, you know, one well placed Molotov cocktail would have completely destroyed journalism in Nova Scotia. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Fun, fun group there. You've assembled Just, a, a yeah. crack team. My friend, yeah, I'm humbled by the talent around <laughs> around the examiner uh, boardroom there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is episode number 95 of Examiner Radio, and as always, you can listen to the show on CKDU, which is 88.1 FM in Halifax, on Fridays at 4:30 p.m. or via their website, which is www.ckdu.ca. And you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Stitcher, Google Play, or look it up on TuneIn.com or Podcast.com. And uh, if you want, you can just uh, search for Halifax Examiner in any of those search engines. It'll be the first result, and that way you can uh, subscribe to it and have it automatically downloaded to your device of choice. Today we'll speak with Paul McLeod. Actually, we spoke with him last week and recorded it. Um, Paul is a reporter with BuzzFeed, uh, recently of Ottawa, but has moved to Washington, D.C., so we'll pick his brain on that. He's also a friend and uh, you know, colleague. That's coming up. Well, first, though, let's do the Week in Review. What do we have? Uh, we don't have a lot. It's still it's still the quiet time uh, before uh, things get going. Uh, legislature's not in session yet. Uh, provincially, city council hasn't met yet in 2017. Yeah, we do have one big, hugely tragic piece of news, which is the the four dead up in Guysburg County. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, a murder suicide situation. Although the police haven't named it that yet, they uh, haven't officially said that. But it, it certainly, yeah, it certainly sounds like that's what happened. Lionel Desmond, who was an Afghan war veteran, uh, had various mental health issues. His sister in law saying that. Um, he was hearing voices from time to time, and anyway, uh, opens up all, all sorts of issues related to treatment of veterans and uh, and more. Yeah, there's there's really not a lot to say. Uh, so the the deceased are are Lionel, uh, his wife, uh, his daughter, eleven uh, year old daughter, ten, ten, ten year old daughter, and uh, and uh, his, his mother in law. Yeah, his yeah. mother. What does this say about? Uh, treatment for for veterans. I know we've 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 had veterans on the show before talking about yep. treatment for for uh, PTSD and and just general support. Um, has there been any movement on the at the federal level to increase this support? I, I can't say that I'm informed on this file. Certainly, all these things will be looked at uh, extensively by the press in the coming days and weeks. Uh, there's a press conference tomorrow uh, at the RCMP office, so uh, I'll be, tomorrow being Friday, so uh, before this show airs, and uh, I'll head over there and see what they have to say. Uh, it's still a breaking news story, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll be following up on that. Uh, Tim, you're a man with um, interesting hobbies. 
Uh, oh. Let me just say that, you know. And this is coming from the guy who is is still attempting to uh, to score every single uh, <laughs> game of the 2008 Major League Baseball season. Um, your your particular hobby is uh, is digging into the registry of joint stocks. Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's my second hobby. My yeah. first hobby is is watching ships. <laughs> Uh, Timber's yes, case, I, ship I, spotter. I, I have a pathetic life, yes. <laughs> um, so you've actually turned your your interest in the registry of joint stocks into a, a, a weekly segment on, on, on the uh, Halifax Examiner website. Uh, just explain what... Well, well, yeah. So anyone that starts a, a, a new company, a new business, uh, a company, a corporation, a partnership, or a, a legal society, so a charity or any uh, range Not of sports, yeah. Yeah, uh, has to register with the province, uh, the registry of joint stock companies. And um, it's a mine of, of data that uh, no business reporters have been have been regularly looking at in Halifax. So I started it just more um, because no one's doing it, and I hope to hand it off to a to an intern soon. But um, yeah, so I just every week I I go through the registry and and pick out the what are for me the more interesting uh, registrations and um, write about them. Uh, how many? How many? Uh on average, yeah, how, there's, many, how many? There's about 150 a week. There's a lot more this week because uh, uh, a lot of law firms and so forth uh, file at the first of the year. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, there's about 150 a week, and I, I generally write about 20 or 25 of them. Just and sometimes it's just an offhand comment or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were the interesting? Uh, what were the standouts this week? Oh God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there was one that that uh, that made it into uh, Thursday's morning file. Which is oh the stadium uh, yeah. JSA, which is a Vancouver firm, uh, run by a guy named uh, Bob uh, Johnson, and uh, he designed stadiums. Okay. So he's designed the Moncton Stadium and and just about every large stadium in in Canada that you can think of, um, a soccer or football stadium. He's had a hand in, and uh, he registered in Nova Scotia. So I was like, um, what's going on there? Uh-huh. And, uh huh. What have we found out? Uh, well, I called. Uh, he was out of the country, but I spoke with someone who worked there, and and that fellow said he didn't have a clue why he registered in Nova Scotia. So, um, and he said he'd forward the message to Johnson. Johnson still hasn't gotten back to me. Uh, I'm sure, he's having a good time in Mexico. Sure. Right? So, uh, so we don't know. What's your prognostication, Tim? Well, it's it's just it's just a conspiracy theory that you know they're filling in all this land out at the the port by Africville. Yep. We, we did a story on that um, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and uh, they're talking about moving the series terminal over to Dartmouth. Kind of pie in the sky kind of talk right now, but uh, if. If that happened, it would free up something like 400 acres of land right there next to the McKay Bridge and the Bedford Highway. And boy, wouldn't that be a perfect spot for a stadium? Oh God! <laughs> so you you think this might this might this might come up? I just, mean, we uh, just know, a, guess. a stadium has uh, how much money have we spent just in the last decade on feasibility reports? Oh, uh, a couple million dollars. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I had a figure a while back, but it's, it's definitely a couple million dollars at least. With the Commonwealth Games Stadium, uh, there was a lot of money, a million and a half dollars, something like that, uh, spent 
on design of a stadium, and that whole thing was aborted. Um, then there was another stadium uh, also for for Shannon Park, yeah. uh, and they gave up on that. And then there was a more recent kind of stadium review that went nowhere. City decided not to go with it. So lots. And um, you would think that we, we have all these stadium designs on the shelf sitting around somewhere that they could just pick them up and not spend another million dollars. But inevitably, that's what they'll do. Right. Okay. Let's uh, let's see what happens with that. Okay. Uh, look, we're going to take a break here on Examiner Radio. When we come back, we're going to speak with uh, BuzzFeed Washington reporter Paul McLeod about covering the... Uh, storm that was the 2016 uh, presidential election down there. You're listening to Examiner Radio. Paul McLeod. Hello, Tim Biscay. Hey. Hey. Long time no see. Yeah, it's been a while, I guess. It's, it's like summer. your third or fourth time on Examiner Radio. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. You, you've been down, uh, I thought you'd have a southern accent by now. Uh, I'm working on it. I, I'm starting with the southern food. I figure if I eat enough fried chicken, then eventually I'll come over. You know, I, gr- I grew up in Virginia, right? And, yeah. And uh, every time I go down to see my parents, by the time I'm, you know, at the end of a week or whatever, I'm, I got the twang and everything. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. So, how long before I can pick that up? Oh, you soon enough, man. It'll be, it'll be great. It's a it's an interesting part of the world down there. There's a, like I've been really enjoying driving around and and just I've never spent any time on the mid mid Atlantic down yeah. there. So let's let's tell folks uh, you were okay. were working for Buzzfeed. Well, you still are working for Buzzfeed Canada. Yeah, you were in Ottawa and they abruptly closed the Ottawa News Bureau. Yeah, they kept the Toronto one, but they decided to focus. This would have been, you know, coming up on the election, the American election. Yeah. And uh, they wanted to do this big refocus on America and American news. And so me and Emma Loop, my colleague, about four months ago, beginning of September, we, we moved down to uh, Washington, D.C. and covered the last election and have been kind of covering the 
interim period, whatever you want to call this, and uh, then of course later this month, next month, uh, Trump will be Trump will be president. We'll go from there. Yeah. What What do you do? You were saying that you're you're kind of uh, learning America. Yeah, it's been a big part of that. It's like a bizarro. It's a bizarro Canada. Some of the so we've been doing a lot of Capitol Hill reporting. So, and I was previously doing parliamentary reporting. So it's just constantly uh, being entertained and confused and baffled by the way things are so similar and yet so different. And I've got more of an appreciation, I think, for the Canadian parliamentary like Westminster system yeah. now, having seen the American system up close and personal. Because there are, I mean, I guess this is normal for you guys, but, but as an outsider, the American system seems like you would never, I can see why they designed it the way they did. But I think the founding fathers had to have way too high of an opinion of human nature. <laughs> because all of these these checks and balances that were meant to as a, as a check on power have essentially just turned into this, this horrendously broken system that just blocks any clear lines of accountability. Yeah, this this current uh, deadlock that's been happening since, uh, well, I mean, it, it started in, in sort of a, a not-so-heavy uh, way in, during the, the first Clinton administration. Yeah. and uh, But now we're in total uh, total gridlock. Yeah, all by, the, by design. And all the, exactly, all the conventions are out. Like, if you don't like, well, with Obama's Supreme Court nominee, yeah. yeah, I'm just going to block him for a year and hope we win the next election. But even on a more fundamental level, I can see why it it breeds cynicism and disinterest in in the public. Because if you're if you're in Canada or Britain or wherever, and you, you know you don't like the way things are, you can look at the the premier, prime minister, and all his cabinet ministers are on the front bench, and you can just vote them out, and they're gone. There's other people standing there, but. In the states, I mean, what do you do when you're like, oh, I kind of like the president, but Congress is blocking everything, and then you've got the House and the Senate blaming each other, and Democrats and Republicans blaming each other, and it's just such a mess. And there's so many different ways to impact what what's pa- being passed and block things that you don't like, that it just becomes a mess. And I don't I don't blame people at a certain point for checking out because it's just uh, it's just yeah. horrendously complicated. Yeah, I think that's sort of the design of it. The Republicans want people to hate government, so they make a horrible government. Uh, Congress was in session when you went down, right? Yeah, it's been in session. Uh, it was September, and then like a post-election, it was yeah. in for a few weeks. So you've been to committee meetings and all the rest. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Is that blowing you away, or much the same as in Ottawa? Uh, it is. <laughs> it is. Again, similar and different. So uh, let's just talk about committee meetings for a second. Not the, the, the most exciting thing, yeah. but. Way more impressive in the states. You guys have these grandiose rooms with these benches, and people are like looking down at the the people who are who are testifying. And it's just in a closet or something in Parliament. Hill, they they right? literally <laughs> like set it up. Yeah, it's just like a generic room. It's like a rec room, and they just set up tables, and you sit around at these tables. But it's it, so when I was there, I, w- I was walking to this this meeting, and I this congressman who I kind of half knew because um, I'd interviewed him before. Like he was sitting there as well. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, so this is uh, going to be a pretty interesting uh, subject, eh? It's about like the drug seizure program and paying informants and millions of dollars going to the yeah. behavior drug drug lords and all that. And he's like, oh, that all sounds really interesting. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, is there anything I should ask? He's like, uh, and I'm like, well, yeah, I don't know. Did you not have anything? He's like, oh, no, I don't even know what this is. He's like, I'm, I'm doing uh, I'm doing what I call a soft landing where I just go in and sit around for 15 minutes while attendance is taken and then I'm going to take off. <laughs> he told you that, eh? He just told me that. Yeah. That's the other thing is that people are way, way, way more open 
to talk, you know, on background and all that to to reporters, and 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 there's just this totally different culture. This same guy who, who I, the first time I met him, he was talking about this whole, his his colleagues of just like basically throwing half of them under the bus as idiots and like other people <laughs> who are just in it for power and all that. And he's like, hey, let me let me break it down how it all works. And even in his own party, just saying people are just being strung along by the nose by party leadership and all that. And like in Canada. If it under Stephen Harper, if it had got out that a conservative was saying that, you'd be your career would be over. Yeah, there's no party discipline in in, in the U.S. None at all. Yeah, my impression, uh, having worked as a reporter in both countries, is that American governments, and granted, I I have I did not do a lot of federal coverage, mm-hmm. but American governments are much 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 more open yes. than Canadian governments. Yes, I would I would definitely say that's my early impression. Completely. Uh, they understand what the Freedom of Information Act is, and they, by and large, abide by it. Well, because in, in America, it seems like you guys actually have a, a point of pride of this openness and accountability that it's just like sort of part of one of the founding doctrine of, yeah. of America. Whereas in Canada, I mean, you would regularly deal with these access to information officers who don't seem to have any appreciation for the law at all, would like just try to block information. There was no, There was no appreciation for the fact that like what these people are doing in some cases is breaking the law. They see right. access to information as like an annoying bureaucratic thing that they have to put up with and not a f- like a fundamental obligation to the people. And we bounced up against that all the time in Ottawa. The United States was born of revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Canada was just sort of kind of just kind of spurted out. <laughs> well, th- but th- this is this is manifesting itself in some interesting ways being a Canadian down there. So one of the scandals during the election, Donald Trump not releasing his tax returns and like, you know, Hillary Clinton's emails not being subject to the Access to Information Act because she had a private server. None of those would ever be scandals in Canada where we don't expect to see the financials of uh, our politicians and they have a huge amount of shielding yeah. from access to information laws. Like these were just two massive scandals that in Canada would never, we, we wouldn't even think about because we don't, we don't expect it to begin with. Let me just uh, jump in and say, and I'm speaking with Paul McLeod, a reporter with BuzzFeed. Last I talked to you, hmm. you were excited about the prospect of Donald Trump getting elected. <laughs> I think that was tongue in cheek at the time. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, well, at the time, it, it seemed a lot less likely. <laughs> so it was more of a thought experiment. And uh, and now here we are. Although I, I will say I did, like, successfully call his election. And not, I'm not going to be one of those people who, like, claims that they call it. Like, I actually put money down because I was goaded into it. When, and uh, What did you win? I went, like, I went, like, 250 bucks on, uh, on Donald Trump. Well, because I, I went on Twitter the day before the election. And I was talking about why, you know, everyone's thinking Trump was done. And I said, I, you guys should not think this is in the bag. And I, I made this argument comparing Trump to Trudeau and just saying that what I saw at those Trump rallies, the only time I'd ever seen anything really like it was at Trudeau rallies. There was just this excitement and celebrity and just this fervor among the supporters that uh, certainly people like Hillary Clinton and Stephen Harper didn't have. Like, if you looked at the two elections, like, Clinton was Harper, Trump was Trudeau. And anyway, I made this case, everyone hated it. Everyone absolutely hated it. And liberal supporters were, like, angrily denouncing (laughs) me for any comparison of Trudeau to Trump, even though I even said, like, their policies are opposite, but, like, the the way their movements are coming out is the same. Um, anyway, yeah, some guy like, I I can say it It was Marty Patrick Quinn of, uh, of, uh, (laughs) McLean's, 
was like trying to shame me, like if, you, if you're not bullshitting, then like if you if you actually really mean this, you got to put some money on it. And so, anyway, so fine, you bet two hundred fifty bucks. Well, I, no, I got some odds. So uh, what were the odds? Uh, I put down fifty, and it was five to one. He was that confident, and then Trump won. Did he pay you? He did. He he, he he promptly paid up the very next day. He can was a, can we yeah. talk about the ethics of this? <laughs> Should journalists be jump uh, betting on on news stories? Uh, probably not. But I mean, at this, I will say this. Well, it's just BuzzFeed. It was <laughs> no. This was this was at the very end, so there was no way I could like impact the election or anything like that. This was the day before the election, and it was again just kind of like I thought like a lark. And I don't know. We actually do. I just probably shouldn't say this, but like we put down like little like beer bets and stuff on things all the time. Like who's gonna who's gonna be the next cabinet minister here or whatever. It's I don't know. Just our degenerate way. Yeah. So um, people deal with sports. Now that Trump has been elected and you're watching the transition, what do you think now? Well, I, I still have no idea. I don't think anyone has any idea what he's going to be like as president. Uh, uh, it is he is so contradictory in his statements. It it does kind of feel like whoever the last person he was talking to has a has a large influence on his statements. I mean, when he was coming out of the meeting with Barack Obama, he's talking about you know uniting people and bringing people together and governing for everyone, and then you know he'll appoint someone who's like. To the head of the EPA, who was going to war with the EPA and wanting to bring that, so it's. It, I, I think that uh, the last person you talked to, I think that was like a, a sub uh, narrative in House of Cards, actually. Yeah, it, it's seriously. It, it's it's just so off the charts of being different. I mean, we, we get these Trump pool reports every day from from Trump Tower and the people going in and out. It's just okay. There, yeah, like there's Kanye West. There's, I mean, it just feels like <laughs> fiction. You're reading the list of this mix of political people and celebrities and random like sports figures and it's just how is how is this really happening uh, so uh, what, what's your assignment so i'm going to be doing a lot of obamacare repeal that's going to be my main thing for the next year well uh, sorry probably more than next year i mean it's going to take them years to i, I have this. family members who say obamacare has saved them mm-hmm. you know uh they had no health care insurance yeah. um before that and um you know that it's they've been able to see doctors and and take care of situations uh that they hadn't b- before and now all that's going to be thrown out the window yeah the, pro- the 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 problem on, from a marketing perspective with from obamacare is that obamacare writ large was the one that could be demonized and and villainized and all of the actual state exchanges that were created through Obamacare and all of the subsidies and all that, uh, the states could take credit for with their own names and all that. So you have all these people who, when you poll Americans about Obamacare, it polls very negatively. But then when you actually poll them about the specifics of what Obamacare is and get the name out of it, it, it polls hugely positively. So they just rebranded as Trump Care and, and maybe, we'd, but they, maybe we'll get nationalized health care out of it. The funny thing is if Trump, I'm not predicting this in any way, but if Trump wanted to be he could be the most successful progressive president well, in, in generations look at because who, who he's appointing though going just the opposite this direction. is this is why i'm saying i don't think it's going to happen but if he wanted to he's the only person who could let's say he wanted to bring in a, a single payer like a public option he could go and do it and he the republicans owe him so much right now that he could he could force them back and democrats would jump on and he could really get a lot done again it's not going to happen uh, but as for what is going to happen, it's impossible to say because the things he's promising are just impossible. He's basically well, promising to get rid of all the stuff people don't like about Obamacare, keep all the stuff they do like, which is, of course, 
lunacy. The only reason you can not ha- deny people for pre-existing conditions is if you have something like a mandate to sign yeah. up so that you have a large enough pool. So what he's promised to do is nonsense and will never happen. But we don't know what he is going to do instead. Talked about a, a trillion dollar stimulus program. Well, that's another interesting thing. I mean, that could work. We will see what Republicans how how much they really care about uh, uh, deficits and all of this deficit spending because there's going to be a, exactly a massive stimulus program and they're going to run record deficits. Cut and this taxes is, left and right. This is this yeah. was they well then you got it you got it going up even higher. I mean, this is they um, they brought America to the brink of bankruptcy because they wouldn't approve more more borrowing under Obama and they're going to have to ramp that up to the next gear with Trump if he does anything close to what he says he's going to do. You there was uh, a, there was, sorry, I just just as an aside, sorry. Just, yeah. Another another example of a guy who or of a, a politician in America just being way more open. We were talking to this actually, he was from Virginia, a, 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 a Republican from Virginia and he was talking about going into he's a fiscal conservative guy very right-wing guy and going into meetings with other republicans and being like look look at these charts look at the math tell me i'm wrong but the only way we balance the budget is to cut spending and increase taxes if that's what we want to do that's what we need to do and he said getting through like there's just such a dogma of we cannot raise tax dollars a cent that getting people to admit that you could basically only do it in closed doors when like they'd be like looking over their shoulder and being like okay yeah, i get that that, that that math adds up and this is just basic arithmetic but it's just such a, a, Re- republicans, a religion republicans don't care about deficits no that's just they clearly don't. Yeah. yeah so your job's going well you're you're securing your employment and you got you yeah. got interesting stuff to work on yeah it's been really interesting yeah i mean it's a great yeah. uh, you know chance to yeah, yeah to cover yeah. you're excited about it yeah yeah, I am. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll talk to you in six months. But <laughs> dropping back here in Halifax, um, I mean, you haven't been gone that long, but uh, what are you thinking about just, Halifax? Oh, well, I mean, I've just been rushing around the last few days. Uh, well, we were just talking about it before, but the big thing that every time I come back is is the uh, the trade center, <laughs> the convention center uh, building there that is uh, – absolutely shockingly massive like it, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it feels like they took they took like a building from toronto and dropped it in the middle of uh middle of halifax so that yeah. is just blows me away every time kind, I, kind of just it, destroyed the heart of downtown it feels yeah. surreal well yeah it just feels like there's this giant i call it the borg yeah yeah you're saying yeah yeah it's very fitting yeah like a borg cube just came down in the, in the middle I, I i still can't wrap my head around it every time i see it yeah, it's it's the Bousquet Full Employment Act. Yeah. I'll be reporting on that sucker for the next decade. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for coming in. Sure. Okay. Great. Yeah. Let's uh let's go have some fun. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been speaking with Paul McLeod, who is a reporter for BuzzFeed working in Washington D C mm-hmm. and we'll return right after that. That's a wrap for this week's Examiner Radio, the weekly podcast and radio show produced by the Halifax Examiner. I'm Tim Buska. And I'm Russell Gregg. As always, we'd love to know what you think. If you have comments on what you've heard or story suggestions for future episodes, please send us an email to podcast at halifaxexaminer.ca. Until next week, your phrase is MAGA. MAGA.